All right. Happy Friday. And we are back after a one one week break. It's been two weeks. Um, so I hope you've had a great couple weeks and are looking forward to the weekend. We're here with another episode of Learning Tech Talks, where we are continuing to explore the landscape of learning technology while cutting through the fluff and getting your questions answered. So today I'm joined by Mark Ward and Danielle Hamilton, and they are from Thrive. And we're going to be talking about the LXP again, digging into that a little bit more and learning about what they're doing there. And so if you're joining us live as we get things started, go ahead, give us a thumbs up, share the post, tag in somebody who would be benefit from the conversation. Uh, and while we're getting started, I'm joining from Wisconsin as usual, but Mark and Danielle, where are you in the world today? Uh, so I'm in sunny Brighton, which is the south of England, right down by the sea. All right. Um, and, you know, I'm trying to hang out before you do this, and this is going to happen to you, Danielle, just so you know. Uh, for those of you who are watching, Danielle's due in October, so, right, first kid, and you said down by the sea, down by the bay, the song started immediately playing through my head, and <laughs> the children's songs, because that's, just get ready for that, because it's coming. <laughs> All right, Mark, how about you? I'm in uh, Burton, I'm trying, just in the, the Midlands of, uh, of England, so. Okay. All right. I don't have a song for that one. All right. Now, before we get going, and hopefully you didn't forget your answer to this, okay, because we got distracted as we were talking. So hopefully you still, you still remember this. And for those of you who are watching, you can play along too. But the question that has nothing to do with learning or learning technology today is describe the contents of your high school locker. So who wants to go first? <laughs> so I'll give it a go. I think I don't think this question translates that well to the UK because I don't know what you are, but we don't have lockers in the UK. Oh, no, we did, yeah. You? you had lockers. You look learning uh, things about each other right here. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah, I don't have a locker, but I will you can say use backpack if you'd like. If you didn't yeah, have a locker, we'll, we'll just oh, say what was in your backpack. Yeah, I was one of those kids that came with nothing. Like no. I would go to school with maybe a pen and I would then borrow things from every person in the class. And um, to the extent that I really annoyed my best friend one day and one day she refused to lend me her ruler because she said, no, you have to bring in your own stuff. I'm not gonna lend you stuff anymore. Because uh, I used to just swan around with a pen in my back pocket and that was basically, basically No books? It. You didn't have to like bring your own books and stuff? No, because all the all the books are in the classroom. They used to like second hand books in the classroom. They didn't trust us to keep taking our books home. All right, um, all right, all right. So pen. You the locker in the world for in high school. You were just very, very generic. Okay, a pen. Got it. How about you, Mark? <laughs> uh so well I've got one kind of on brand, which is like paper. I, my my name. My main memory. <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is not where I expected this question to go. <laughs> but like, I, I remember just because I was, I'm terrible at organizing anything like practical or real, all of my paperwork would just be crumpled in the bottom just of the, the locker. So like, it starts then. I could never get on with paper. And, and then the other thing that I know that I had was a magnifying glass, which I used to use. Why? A magnifying glass. A schoolboy. School what do you use a magnifying glass? Burning things, obviously. <laughs> Burning things. I'm just picturing you being like Sherlock Holmes walking around. No, no, I, I remember getting caught by my, my my physics teacher one 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 lunchtime with a, a magnifying glass in the sunlight and just burning a hole through my, my tie. And he's like, maybe that's not a good idea. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's, probably, that's probably true. Okay, so we've got a pen and then just. Crumpled paper and <laughs> a magnifying glass. Okay. I'm learning so much about the two of you. So, okay. So for mine, um, you know, I so I had, right, the traditional locker. But, um, you know, so we had books. We had to take our own books. And you checked them out every year. So they were always thrown in there. Uh, you know, I loved my Letterman jacket. So that was always there. Even when it was too warm to wear it, I would just leave it in there just in case it was a cool day. Um way too cool for a trapper keeper. So I had to have a five star, right? I don't know if you know what those are, but they were the actual like cloth zipped up fancy stuff. Really cool. 
um, is big into math. So I had my graph and calculator and then see the advantages. I had more time to think about this. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might have taken photographic evidence. I know. I know. Well, I'm trying to think if there was anything else. Cause like I, I would, yeah, I had kind of like the paper stuffed in the, I, okay. So Mark, here's where I can relate. And I don't know about this. I'm still to this day like this. Um, but I, I don't take notes, right? Like it's just not, for me, but I feel like I'm supposed to. So a lot of times like I'll write things down like, yeah, this is what you're supposed to do is to take this note. And then I never do anything with it. So my locker was just filled with like, these are the notes that kept the teachers off my back, but I have no plans <laughs> to do anything with. So my locker was filled with that kind of stuff. Okay. I think you were just a better student than us. I don't think it's to do with the question. I think you were better than Mark and I themselves. He's just burning stuff. It's <laughs> burning stuff. And you're you're just mooching, you're just mooching off everybody just, around I'm you. Like, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that is so funny. Okay. All right. Well, um, so so let's let's shift gears out of high school lockers and into the conversation of learning technology. Um, so Thrive LXP, you you're in the category of LXPs. We talked about this a little bit before, but uh, that that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So just kind of to to level the playing field, level the stage, when you talk about a learning experience platform, how how are you defining that or, or how are you playing in that market? And I guess the other follow-up question to that would be, what actually made you jump into that category? Um, I'll, I'll try and give it a step. So I think, I think for me, like the whole, what is an LXP, what is this, what is that? It's, it's so much of it's just marketing, right? Um, yeah. And um, I think the main thing we're doing by branding ourselves at LXP is just trying to highlight that we are the next evolution of a learning platform. It's a, le a learning platform of sorts. Okay. Um, and I think differentiating ourselves slightly from LMSs, which obviously are about admins and managing learning, making sure everyone's done the right stuff at the right time, is more about actually a place that people actually want to go and want to do stuff and actually is engaging with the, the learner. Um, that said, we're a kind of weird LXP because when oh, we actually LXP. Yeah. I can't <laughs> wait to hear this. <laughs> well, because when we set out <laughs> to build our LXP, we decided that um, we sort of noticed there's a bit of a bit of a gap. Lots of our old clients who worked with them previously all want to do the shiny fun stuff that the LXP yep. can do, but ultimately have to do the kind of more boring compliance tracking stuff as well. So with Thrive, what we actually have done is like combine those two or bring those two worlds together. And actually, okay. yes, we can do all the LMS stuff. Um, we've simplified a lot of that and, and changed a lot of it as well, but we can do that. But then our focus, I guess, our, where our passion lies is more of the LXP side of things because it's just it's just more interesting. <laughs> so if so, because this is one of the important clarifications, because there are some differentiators or some things to consider because some don't do the LMS side of the house. So then you have to have both in some regard because you, you, yeah. you kind of in some companies you don't always need it but in many companies you do need an lms and then automatically that means well now if you're talking lsp you're talking two separate things and you're saying thrive can do both correct yeah we, 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 we want to offer a single platform that does all of it because like actually those those challenges are not that crazy complicated and for us a lot of what we're trying to achieve with an lxp is to distill down all of the functionality that you would have in a more traditional learning management system, but actually just, uh, I don't, the word simplify maybe is a little bit harsh, but just to distill it into actually what are the core things that it's trying to do? Let's get away from some of this stuff that doesn't matter and just focus on the stuff that really does matter. And um, so that's really, yeah, that is a differentiator for us. We're, we're definitely trying to offer all of the functionality that you need. Okay. Um, can I can I answer the previous question? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> you absolutely can. The, uh, no, Mark. Sorry, show's over. My, <laughs> so my background is uh, I was a lecturer for the first four years of my career, uh, and then I moved into kind of supporting our virtual learning environment at, at my at my my college. And uh, so for me, I I saw 
those platforms being used in the way that they were designed to be used. And there's a lot of kind of, you know, you've got a faculty in a school and they're trying to run a curriculum with a load of 16 year olds. And it's a very different challenge from what you have in a, in a business, really different. And I remember when I you know, took a role uh, in the corporate space and joining there and finding that so many of those same conventions were applied on a learning management system being used by a business. And I was just totally confused by why they were there. And you're kind of doing a training session and someone said, well, why, why do I want to do this? Why do I have to you know, register my people on, onto a course? It's like, well, I don't know the answer to that <laughs> because you're, you're, not a, you're not a teacher. You're not worried about enrollment on, you know, on a curriculum. So for me, this was an opportunity to actually look at all of that stuff that had been built up, I think, from a number of different backgrounds, some conventions that came from all over the place, and just get right down to the heart of what a business is trying to enable their learners to do. Uh, and broadly speaking, that's the main differentiator between the next generation platforms and the old ones. Um, and and the, the core to that is really destructuring, removing a lot of the over-the-top structure that you've got within a learning management system and just simplifying it so that you can reuse stuff and you can manage things way more easily. So that's probably one of the big things. You know, it is interesting you bring this up because this is, um, you know, first of all, one, I came from I came from traditional education and then moved into corporate early on. And as you look at the corporate space, a lot of the work that's done is, right, we, we've historically operated kind of like an education system, which is not really a good translation for the corporate setting, right? It's, it's a completely different environment. And I think that has been a huge catalyst in some of this transformational stuff that we're seeing in terms of the tech stack we need, the way we structure ourselves, the way we think about corporate learning in general, because people aren't going to school at work and we can't think about what we do that way because it's it's actually in conflict with how corporate operations happen. But it is interesting how that has kind of been the legacy that we've we've in many ways kind of had to operate off of. And I think in many regards, we've kind of iterated and made step changes instead of saying, hey, wait a minute, this was fundamentally not the best way to do it. Let's just step back and like start over. Let's remove some of this stuff. And, and the thing that really um, kind of broke the camel's back on that, the point at which it was no longer tenable to continue on that iterative path was when uh, customers and organizations recognized the value of learning that was going on within teams, because that's the big difference between those two um, models. You've got the old world where training was being pushed from a central um, team of some kind and you know you had to do your training. And that was really the only learning that mattered Yep. And, and we've moved now to a world where actually the learning that's going on within your team is probably, in many ways, um, more certainly more active and, and probably more valuable. Um, and trying to, yeah, try, try and get through some of those challenges where I remember talking to customers where they, you know, um, they might, I think it was asbestos, yeah, asbestos awareness training, awareness training. So, I don't know anything about asbestos. How am I going to put this training together? And it's like, well, <laughs> why are you trying? <laughs> Let someone else do it. But then that's you know, that's a really good illustration of the problem, I think. Well, and and this is, I don't know. This this is this has, in my opinion, created a bit of an identity crisis for a lot of people in the space because it's a lot of L and D organizations now are trying to figure out. So what what is our role? Um, you know, and there's there's some fear around, well, does this mean we aren't adding value? And to me, I would say, no, I don't think that's the case at all. I think the activities and the way we position ourselves, the way we get involved is very different than it needed to be. Um, but it's not it's not less important. If anything, in my opinion, it's more important. And I think the other thing that you know we're seeing we're seeing now is just the fact that um, there there's no better time for us to make this shift, right? We've been talking about needing to make this shift for a long time uh, and now and now we can. So I, I think it's an important point to highlight. And the other thing is sometimes in our industry, I don't know if you see this, but there tends to be a little bit of like, you're either in this camp or you're this camp. And to me, it's like, it's a journey, right? It doesn't really matter where you are. It's about that you're progressing forward and moving through it. So, you know, a lot of the stuff that we've been doing for a long time, 
it's not we did it because it we knew it didn't work. It's just we didn't really have any other way of doing it. And technology, to me, is completely changing those rules. And, and as we were saying earlier on, like the the instigator for that, the reason why there's so many of these platforms all of a sudden, it's it's not because everyone just kind of woke up one morning and had an idea. It's responding to the fact that organizations are changing the way that they perceive this and that there is a demand for these tools. So yeah, that journey is something that's happening anyway. It's not being it's not being forced through some kind of uh, unnatural pressure that's coming from the suppliers. Suppliers are responding to the demand that's there. They're responding well, I, to the market. I'm sorry, I think also suppliers are responding to the, to the users, right? It's not yeah. like the reason that organizations are trying to make these changes is because this is ultimately how we learn in our personal lives. Like the way that we consume content and learn our personal lives is totally revolutionized over the last sort of five years or so. And I think that is then, I think as a consumer, you have a certain expectations at home, you know, of things like, you know, LinkedIn and Spotify and Pinterest and all those sites that you interact with. And you kind of then think, well, why don't I get that at work? Like it's the same technology, like, you know, the technology's out there. Why do I have to have this horrible old technology and processes and all the rest of it at work? Um, and yeah, so I think a lot of it's driven from that. That's where we started. I think we had such a great, we had a really great opportunity like to start from scratch. Um, and that's when we started specifically. Okay. So what on that topic, what's been the journey? What has been that journey? What's that journey looked like a little bit? Because you know, I'm I'm just curious how you've evolved or how the platforms evolved, you know, as this as the markets changed, but at the same time, kind of you saw this need, obviously, you jumped into it and said, Hey, let's let's not just make another LMS, let's think differently about it. Yeah, I think it was um it's been really fun, actually, for us. Um, I think for myself and Mark, as two people with sort of tech backgrounds, okay. having the opportunity to start from a literally a blank piece of paper is incredible. Um, I mean, myself and Mark and the other directors in Thrive will come from different parts of the learning industry, worked with lots of different tools in the past, had bugbears. Um, I know that when, like, when I joined Thrive and, and me and Mark started working together, the first thing I did was actually write down a list of all the problems that I have when I was at L&D, because I used to work in L&D for a big pharmaceutical right. company. Um, so day one, I was like, these are all the problems that I had. That used to really annoy me. And then sort of set about trying to work out how to, how to solve those. Um, that's sort of where we came from, is this, what came together, um, the five of us, and we'd had all these different experiences. And some the same. So Mark and I had the joy of working with Moodle, for example, long ago. Um, and then I just thought, well, let's create something new. And we the, the the starting concept was, well, let's let's try and bring those LXP and LMS worlds together. That was like a very initial thing. And then we went from there. And um, yeah, we spent like, what, 18 months, I think, building it and designing it, which was really cool um, to just challenge everything and just do everything from the beginning. Okay. Well, so, so, I mean, I think that's an important point to highlight that some of it was you were coming from the L&D space. This wasn't just a technology play. You were coming from the L&D space saying, hey, what are the things that we've struggled with or I have hated <laughs> about the tech stack that we had and then how can we create it versus coming from a technology standpoint? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, definitely. Sorry, uh, no, no, you carry <laughs> I was just, yeah, I was gonna say, I think there's, like also there was a difference for me between Oh, I don't not I don't like this technology versus this is the problem I have. So right. I know that when we started Thrive, we tried to be really clear with like, yes, we know the things we don't like about the technology, but actually, it start with the problems we're trying to solve. So, yeah. for example, when I was at LMD, uh, one of the problems I got on our, you know, manifest was um, there's, you know, there's too much content. I don't know what I don't know what's right for me. So I'm logging into sites sometimes, and there's so much stuff everywhere. It's not organized. I don't know what I'm doing. And there's, there's, there's too much stuff. But on the flip side, in LMD, I also had the struggle of there's not enough content because as LMD, I think there's a lot of pressure to create all the content yourself somehow. Like Martin about asbestos training. You're like, I don't know anything about asbestos training. Right. Um, so actually, how do you generate content? And then another problem that I had was who knows what? I was, I was working in the company of 70,000 people, massive company. And I just had no clue who had certain skills, who was doing what projects. There was the same project going on five times in the business that you eventually find out about when it's too late. Um, so all problems like that that we started with and actually how do we solve those rather than we would love to sit and just moan about the tech, I think. Right. <laughs> but, 
I don't, I, you know, it's weird. You had those problems, Danielle, because I have no, I've never struggled with either of those. It just seems. Ah, just, yeah, no, no, it's completely unfair. <laughs> I'm kidding, by the way. Um, <laughs> it is interesting. The one you talk about, even with the content, how there can be a so much content yet not enough, like in the same conversation where you're like, so we've got loads of this and absolutely nothing here. And I don't know how to work with that. What were you going to say, Mark? I forgot now. <laughs> I think Danny made a much better point than me. <laughs> well, so, so let me ask you this from a, from a capability standpoint. Um, and, and I actually, the next place I want to go is this competency stuff. Um, but with the, with the actual creation piece, you know, so I, I am curious, can you actually author content or is it, purely curation of other content objects? Like, can you make stuff in the tool as well? Mark, do you want to answer that one? Do you want to show it? Or I'm just thinking that might be, <laughs> it might be worthwhile giving a quick demonstration. Um, the, we, we, we don't have an authoring tool in there specifically. We, um, for, for, for us, the main focus of content is really around, you know, the bite-sized stuff that people use all the time. So your links, your files, um, Videos is a massive one, um, like questions, articles. We've got quizzes on there and the ability to organize events as well. Okay. Uh, again, we, we, we tried to, that's a really good example, one where we spent a long time chewing that over and trying to just get the, the simple scenarios covered as well as the more complicated ones. So, you know, if you want to organize a quick lunchtime get together, you can do that. But it, equally, if you want to organize a week long induction training, you can do that just as easily. So. That was a real challenge, <laughs> but we, we're really happy with what we got to with that. Um, so you, those are the kinds of content that you can create within the system. And um, even beyond that, so the, from the technical capability point of view, there's a lot of nice open standards that you can use for um, trying to make content work well with the platform. So uh, there's a, a standard out there called OEmbed, which allows you to you know when you're on a video sharing site you've got the embed code and you yep. can copy that and you can paste it in it's a way of automating that so if you've got a link you paste it in we can go and ask that service oh how should we embed this to make it look nice and it, and it okay. so it instead of bouncing out it's actually just purely embedded in the platform itself. right yeah yeah um, and uh so there's there's yeah loads of nice stuff like that but then also, you know, going back to what we were talking about in terms of trying to cover the, the traditional stuff, we also have support free learning standards. So SCORE 1.2 is like everyone still uses it. Um, and so we we have a we actually have like a, a player that will translate those statements, sorry, that those activities into XAPI statements and everything that we do internally is, is all XAPI. So okay. um, that's quite quite neat. <laughs> we have quite a lot of fun building that. I think another reason we're trying to stay away from authoring tools is that, um, or having one built into the platform, is that I think once you do that, you end up with obviously a lot of content that looks kind of similar. Um, yeah, and there's so many great, great free tools out there. So actually, when we're working on content to do with our clients, we actually encourage them to go and use all these free tools, free, free or cheap tools, um, to get a bit more of a variety, more bite size as well. And, Otherwise, I think it's really easy to sort of fall back in that, oh, we'll make a scorn course, and that's not what we want. Well, and that's right. And I ask because to me, it's a, it's a dangerous area to play in, right, right. In, in my opinion, because it is one of those like, well, I think sometimes we ask or we want that or we think we want that because we're like, oh, wouldn't it be so great if we could just, you know, build more e-learnings directly in the tool? And you're like, uh, but is that, the, is that the best thing to do, right? Do we really need more of that? I mean, I'm not saying that there's not a place for it, but it, it opens the door for the risk of, well, now we just make everything look exactly the same because it was so easy. And now we've got the problem that you talked about earlier, where there's just now so much content and it's all the same content. And we're like, how did we end up in this mess? So, so I, I yeah, so there is some capability to, not necessarily author like an e-learning course, but actually author objects in the platform to be able to actually curate and then distribute out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, we, we have the, the kind of content that I missed off the list is pathways. So that's a great way of kind of pulling that all together and allowing you to create, like stitch together a journey that 
brings together lots of kind of elements of, of information and knowledge that you want to empower people with. Um, and that that really does that job for you. If you look at what an e-learning module is doing, it's just a way of navigating through chunks of content. But with the kind of micro learning philosophy in mind, we want that to be something that feels like, you know, a journey that you're going through step by step and that you can drop back in whenever you want to kind of right from the platform level. So yeah, having it all embedded down in there within a module isn't as ideal. You can't find the stuff that you're after as easily. No. You can't reuse the content. Um, yeah, and uh, the and the, the other element with you, you, the thing that always gets me about uh, e-learning modules, whatever they are, actually. Sorry, I'm getting a bit ranty. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's when it's when they've just got video in them, or when video is the main part of them. And the thing about video is, it's it's one of those mediums that no matter what device you're on, it's so well served. You can always view it the way that you want to. But right. as soon as you put it in that container, you've lost all of that flexibility. Yeah, you you kind of cut the legs off of it. Yeah, it's really odd. So, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's definitely something where having a variety of content is worthwhile. E-learning modules have their place for sure. Well, and I think this could go back, right? This could be a whole nother conversation, so we won't get into it. But I think it comes to what you talked about earlier, Danielle, with focusing on the you know outcome of things. The same thing needs to happen in developing content, right? Like what what is what is this designed to do and how is it designed to be consumed and used and things like that and ask those questions, then back into, okay, what is the best way to deploy it or the best way to deliver it? Because the example you talked about where you know, you end up with a 20 minute video that's packaged in a SCORM 1.2 file. It was just because it was like, well, we use this authoring tool and we have this video. So we got to just put it in this and publish it so that it can go into the LMS. And you're like, no, 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 don't do that. Right. If anything, that's actually a step backwards, but I think it's, it's easy to do and get caught up with. So, but again, like I said, we're not in that content authoring conversation, but, but we could, but as a reminder, yeah. But so let's, let's do this. Cause you talked about pathways, which pathways I think could be an interesting one, but you have to kind of take a step back from that, which kind of then ties to a pathway to what, right? the pathway for what purpose and this gets into the competency skills like whatever you want to you want to tie to um that is the big target right now right i mean this is probably not only on every l d leaders priority list but honestly probably every business leaders list right now of like okay what skills do we have in the organization how are we developing those skills how are you how are you aligning you know one, we can talk about your take on that, but then two, how are you aligning to kind of help solve that problem so we have greater visibility into what are people developing, not just for random you know, reasons, but towards an end goal? So um, so in the, in the platform, um, practically speaking, we've got the ability to capture people's skills and their interests, um, which helps the personalization. Um, it also helps with allowing your, your admins and your MD team to see also across the, the business, like how many people you've got skilled in a certain area. Um, and you can actually identify your skill gaps to an extent. Um, the pathways thing is a little bit more granular than the overall journey that you're trying to go on. So our pathways are more a case of a route through a certain topic. So for example, we might have, you know, a, a bunch of content for a sales new start, a sales 101, you might stick those together into a pathway. It's like, a, okay, here's, here's how to achieve a certain, a certain skill. It's a pathway to achieve the skill in the first place. Like onboarding or something like that. Yeah, onboarding. Yeah, not that. Um, something where there's a journey, right? It's like, you got to map this out. Yeah, yeah. And that might be, okay, you, there's a few, there's a video to watch and an infographic, and then maybe you attend an event and then maybe you talk to someone afterwards, which actually brings me to like, I think, one of the most important parts of our platform, the most exciting parts for, for me personally anyway, is the, the people element. So um, what we've recognized is like when you're going on a journey, like to learn a new skill or to change roles or whatever it might be, yes, you're gonna sit and consume some content, but also you're very likely, hopefully, gonna also talk to someone who does that role or talk to someone who has that skill or get a mentor or get a coach or maybe- yeah, beyond watching a video. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, or maybe you're going to do also some experiences. So you might like shadow someone for a day or 
do a practice run, uh, whatever it might be. Um, so the, the next sort of phase of work that we're going into is um, around how we capture that. So we've got a lot of the fundamentals, we've been working on a lot of the, the building blocks that we need. Um, and now the really exciting part is our phase two um, is about how we get people from A to B. Okay. Um, and that's more of a journey. We're, called, we're, we're just calling it journeys at the moment because um, we can't think of a better word. Um, but I think it's pretty stupid, isn't it, Mark? Um, we already took pathways, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, that's another thing we do at Thrive, is where every time we have a word in the interface, we spend loads of time thinking, can we change it to something different? And then normally stuff back around to the original thing in the first place. Okay. Okay. I, I almost managed to convince you to call events happenings. Oh, yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> Fun. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's, that's our next phase of work, and that's really, really exciting because there's loads of cool stuff we can do in that. Well, and okay. the thing that's really exciting about it is we keep on coming across questions where we find the answer is what we've got in mind. Um, so, you know, how do we do this? Oh, if we have the, oh, that's what we're doing anyway. Okay, that's great. And, and you know that when the answer keeps coming back as being ex exactly what you've got in mind, then you're on the right path. Um, but the, the, the key thing for it that we've got to achieve is to make sure that, as, as with all things in the platform, we try and design it and build it to be as flexible as possible so that you can use it for a really formal approach or you can use it for a really informal approach. Uh, and that's the same thing that we, we've got in mind with this functionality, so around recognizing that people have got objectives and aspirations that they want to you know, develop themselves. And that could be linked to the fact that they've got another role that they've got their eye on, or it could be just purely down to the fact that they want to improve themselves in, in some area. You know, a software developer wants to understand how the support team work, whatever it might be. And so often it's as simple as just kind of, I'm going to have a look at a few bits of content and I'm going to find out, um, I'm going to sit down and chat with someone and find out how they do their job. And that, that is, that's an information sharing exercise, which people do all the time, but there's no visibility of that. And there's no, it's not, it's not really rewarded in any way. It's not seen as any kind of progression, but of course it's, it's probably more valuable than completing a piece of content on the system, having a conversation. Um, and then the other thing that emerges from that is the question of, well, where do those aspirations come from? Like how, how do you set them up in the first place? And there's an element there of your baseline is, is the manual. Like someone goes in and says, I want to do more of this, therefore I'm going to create this, blah, blah, blah. And you've got you know, maybe a mentor that's helping you along with that as well. And that's, that's fine, that's essential stuff. But the more exciting thing is actually when you realize that there's all kinds of ways in which that is that aspiration or that objective might be put on the agenda by a business. So it might be part of a campaign, for example, that we're all going to try and get better at this. And we encourage you to pick up this objective and add it to your learning, you know, as a, as a, as a journey. Um, so that's, that's something that we're really excited about because it, it means that we can, um, a, make the system easier to manage. Cause if you want to know what was the outcome of that, did we actually see people taking that journey and, and having, uh, fulfilling it in the end, that becomes a lot easier to picture and analyze in the data. Um, and then the other part of it is, is it means that it's so much easier to start a conversation on the platform, um, which is something that people have been already using our system for very successfully this year. Um, but it just gives another another way of kind of, another framework that that can kind of sit in, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, and and so let me let me frame it up and see if, if we're kind of on the same page, because I think I, I think I know where you're going with it. Um, and I kind of look at it, right. I tend to do things in threes, I guess I would say, but when I look at it, there's kind of these three problem sets or challenges that we face. One is right. The businesses have a priority where it's like, we need people to know this stuff or be able to do this stuff. Right. It's a, it's more of a push down type thing. There's the kind of people's natural curiosity, right? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm either trying to solve this problem or I'm trying to develop this and I, I know what I'm trying to develop. And so I'm kind of going out trying to do this. And then the other one that I think is in many areas, kind of a gray box is this whole, like, there's a lot of people and I run into this all the time. They don't really know even what they should develop in, which actually kind of creates this analysis paralysis. Like I want to develop, but I don't even really know what to develop in or where to develop because I don't really know where that would go type thing. So it's it's some guided framework for their personal development, not necessarily driven because the business says, hey, you have to get better at, I don't know, 
virtual selling because COVID hit, right? That's a business-driven priority. It's more of a, I want to explore this new capability, but I don't really know what that is and how do I discover it? So if I'm understanding you right, are you playing in all three? No, no, that's it. And it's funny because I categorize it in three like that as well. (laughs) Um, But the, the, and then the other, the only thing I would say is in terms of business objectives, um, businesses are having conversations about a wider array of things these days. You know, uh, we were were talking before about um, companies starting to step into the political territory and having an opinion on things, but actually the culture of a business is very important, particularly as the, uh, particularly for those brands that are looking to kind of reach out to a younger audience, I suppose that, you know, that's their mindset. But, um, you know, again there, that those company objectives we assume from a traditional perspective that those are always going to be about measured um, financial benefits or whatever it might be, but they may also just be about making sure that a relevant conversation is happening that hasn't been happening up till then. Uh, that could be about all kinds of different things, but this year has certainly thrown up a good few of them. Um, so that's something we're really excited about because it's, it's, it's so much more meaningful is that, does that make sense? Like, yeah, no, it, it does. And I think, you know, one of the things I'm curious about, because this continues to be a challenge, you know, I, I see and, and I see a lot of people in our industry dealing with is there is this balancing act of, right, can you prove a quantifiable ROI from what you're doing? And, and I think a lot of times people are trying to do that. And I think that there is there is some value to doing that in the right use cases. There's also value to saying, you know what, sometimes developing your people and investing in your people, it's the right thing to do, right? It's the right thing to do. And could you, through the right measurements, be able to quantify it? Yes, you actually can, right? You can tie earnings per share to, you can actually tie that to employee engagement and things like that, which are all tied. Now, granted, it's a pretty thick formula to have to go through. And I think that's where a lot of times in our field, we struggle to make those connections and be able to do that. So I think that's where having more data and visibility into this stuff can help tell that story in a meaningful way. It's still a story, but I think it can help shape it. Mm, definitely. And I think you're totally right, is that uh, we, when we work with our clients, we set KPIs and we try and link things back to performance. Of course we do, because it's important, like it's for ROI. But uh, like ultimately, the real success factor is you know, are your employees sticking around? Are they happy? Are they actually progressing in their careers? And, you know, is it opening, is your offering actually opening up new doors for them and changing their lives personally? And that's, I think, where we really want to thrive. Sorry. <laughs> I knew it was going to come in somewhere. I knew it was going to come into the conversation. It's hard to find a word that is, replaces it. Because <laughs> I get so stuck. Um but yeah, I think like I don't know, like, on a personal level, I think if you know, if I could talk to an end user who's used Thrive and say, Oh, that really helped me, that helped me get promotion, or it helped me change jobs, or it helped me branch out a new area, or even if it helped me in my personal life, you know, help me help me with negotiation skills with my kids or whatever, um, like that's the kind of space that I wanna be in. That's the sort of anecdotal evidence that I wanna see. Um and I think we all we will all wanna see it thrive, and our customers wanna see it, because ultimately if your end users are happy and progressing in whichever way, then this is going to be better, isn't it? Well, and it's interesting, right? This is, and we won't shift this into a conversation about COVID, but I actually, for the last three days, have been in an Oculus, you know, quest literally all day. Um, And one of the topics in this HR summit we were talking about was one thing that COVID has really brought to light is the importance of organizations to care about people on a human level, right? Like it has actual tangible benefits to the business because we're seeing right now the impact to performance from people's lives just being in disarray. And so when we actually try and mitigate that, it actually opens people up to be able to perform better, to focus more. They are actually more able to be creative and innovative and things like that. And I think it's a valuable, the timing's perfect because we've been saying this, I think, in our industry to say, hey, there is a value to this. We need to tap into this. And it's been met with kind of a, yeah, (laughs) as long as we can make it work along everything else. And I think what's happened now is it's a, no, that should be where you start. Because if you don't start with that, you're, you're constantly kind of backing up and trying to fix other things around it. 
this, this is the time of day where the sun slowly sets and starts blinding me. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna. <laughs> 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 I've noticed, right? Your 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 goatee is slowly <laughs> becoming you know, brighter and brighter and brighter. So yeah, you need to go fix your your shade. I can chat for a minute. So so with that one, right? As organizations are doing this. I think in many cases, it's a it's a great aspiration. A lot of organizations are aspiring to, um, they want to get there. Getting there is some, not sometimes, it's easier said than done in many regards. There's a lot of times challenges that people didn't expect, things like that. You work with a lot of different customers. I'm just curious, what are the types of things that people who may be saying, you know what, we need, we want to move, we want to make a shift into this. Um, actually, hang on before I do this, I'm going to pull up this question because I'm, I'm curious. I want to make sure we get this one answered. So for Susan, she talks about, right, these paths and journeys. We t- we've been talking about these paths and journeys. How, how does Thrive then enable people to move along those paths? Is it the creation of it? Is it the management? Like, what does that actually look like in terms of enabling people through that development path? So I think, um, well, I think it sounds like pathways already already clear. Um, the journey stuff is something we haven't built yet. So this is a, a new phase of work we're doing. So it's partly we're not sure. Okay. Um, I think the big thing of how we want to approach it though is we really want to avoid having the sort of old school way of someone coming in and plugging in all the competencies and all the job profiles and putting all this data. That's sort the of thing. We actually ideally would like to make it as fluid as possible and as data-driven as possible. Say, for example, the, the like, I'm not sure, uh, Mark hasn't told us technically possible yet, but the ultimate goal is if I am a, I don't know, a, a junior project manager and I want to become a senior project manager, I could look at someone else's journey and see how they've actually done that. And the system would also use the data from that person's journey and all the other people's journey, all the other people who made that sort of move or learned those new skills, and actually use that information to suggest content to me, people to me, and experiences to me. So the idea is that I don't need to actually input anything as MD team. It should be a system that actually just supports itself. Um, so obviously you need to get started at the beginning to create some data, but that would be the that's the sort of where we're heading is that when I log in and I will say maybe there's some obviously going to be some sort of diagnostic and definition element like we we're saying earlier is it because I'm sitting down my line manager and we're having conversations say okay let's improve these skills or these skills or let's move in this direction or is it I know what I want to do and I'm really like set on it or actually am I doing some sort of diagnostics to work out what I want to do some sort of you know okay. diagnosis at the beginning and then a lot of automatic suggestions based on our data, maybe content people and experiences. And then once you go through that journey, we've then got another data set to use for the next person, the next person, if that makes sense. Okay. So it's okay. This is, well, and I think the important clarification that this was this was helpful for me too, right? This is this is in process right now, right? This is something that's in yeah, right. so, so I mean, we have some we have some key features in there at the moment. And what we what we what we're starting to see is how those features sit within that bubble. Uh, and so it's really exciting to kind of, um, yeah, reframe some of the challenges that we've already solved. Uh, on, on the platform at the moment, you've got the ability to see other individuals on the system with particular skills. And so there is an element of encouraging people to connect to one another based upon what, they, what they're skilled in and what they're experts in. Um, the pathways piece is interesting as well because we don't just allow you to put content within the pathways, but within each section of a pathway, you can actually highlight people who are experts as well. So again, that element of bringing people out to the fore so that you can, um, if you've got a question about whether or not you've understood something correctly, you so can- that's the social, Well, and I, I actually want to stop you there because I think that's, that's when we talk about some of this social stuff, social is another one of those words that just kind of gets thrown around like, oh, social learning. But one of the challenges is half the time you don't know who the person is to actually be your social expert to say, who are the individuals who can help me grow or develop in this area? And so what I'm hearing you say is that's actually part of, and that's there now, correct? With the past. That's right. And then then the other feature that we built kind of right from, right into the heart of the platform is we were talking about the the move that we're, we're on from kind of educators to something else. And like, that's something else really is much more in line with communication 
and uh, enabling communications within a business. And so we built um, a campaign feature into our platform, which allows you to kind of put a banner right on the front page and to release content bit by bit um, so that you're kind of drip feeding and you're keeping people engaged on a particular subject. And again, that's a really good way of encouraging a conversation that you can target a particular audience of the system and you can say, you know, this is something that should be on your agenda. And we've seen customers using that to tap into some of the, the, the kind of social issues that have been raised this year um, and to enable conversations to happen. Uh, and so between all of those, we've already got quite a bit in the system. But what we're looking to do is to bring all of that together into a feature that um, allows you to say, well, this is kind of where it's going. This is what I want to achieve off the back of it. Yeah. Um, and for people to kind of get on board with that in a more, um, I suppose, like a, a more precise way, a more measurable way of, yeah, actually, this is what I'm I mean, going to get. It's predictable, yeah. measurable were the words that came to mind based on what you're yeah. saying. So a lot of this capabilities there, it's kind of bringing it together under yeah. one roof in some regard. And I think it's also a little bit like if there's a learner on our platform who is, you know, quite driven, like they can currently search people's skill, they can connect with, they can follow, they can consume all the content. If you know what you want to do, it's great. And you can sort of do it all. But like you said, it's then about how do we actually both track that, but also how do we make better suggestions of people who maybe don't right. quite know what That's they want. That's the third category of people who don't really know yeah. what they need, right? They don't know where they want to develop. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's, that's actually the... In a way, that's the most important part here is, you know, the objectives and the mentor relationship. That's something that isn't too difficult to, to figure out. But giving, um, giving teams the ability to promote ways in which you can uh, pick up an aspiration or an objective and a number of different routes by which that could happen. And not just necessarily this has been assigned to you because it's a company goal, but some, some, some less, um, less formal routes than that as well. That, that's really where the, the heart of this lies because that's actually what that's when a lot of the tools are falling down at the moment okay. because teams are doing that you know they are putting something on the agenda they are wanting people to um, pick up a, a series of content or you know to talk to someone or whatever it might be but that's just not happening because everything's a bit too too structured at the moment <laughs> yeah it, yeah I, I, I agree um so so with this one the other thing though i'm well actually i'm going to shift gears a little bit because i am curious now um, because some of these things you're talking about one of the important things that i continue to advocate for is you know when it comes to the the measuring and the data behind right what do people need we can't this is where it can go very south is have a single data point right or even just a couple data points but all coming from the same type of source because that tells a very incomplete story of of who that individual is what they're trying to do things like that the challenge with that is bringing in all of these other data sources can be right tough work so when it comes to the ecosystem you know how are you then integrating in to kind of either enable that you know because obviously if this is what's happening in in thrive you're capturing a pretty important data set right on an individual in terms of where they're developing what things they're curious about what journeys they've been on are you is the goal of thrive then to be the place that data is coming to or is thrive an enabler to kind of the other part of the ecosystem or could it be both depending on the maturity of the organization at the moment it's more of the latter but we are on a journey towards it being more of the former okay um, and there's a few examples i would give um so as you say we collect a lot of information about um, what you've viewed or what individuals have viewed, liked, um, and all, all of their interactions, what they're searching for and not finding, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so with that, we can do quite a lot in terms of pers like personalized search, personalized recommendations, and say, this is what might be relevant to you based upon what you're interested in. But also, the wonderful thing about these platforms within the context that we're working in is that we have organizational hierarchy and we know who your line manager is and who reports to them. So then we can get into what's relevant to your team as a whole and all that kind of stuff. And okay. um, so all of that kind of information is accessible through, um, we, we make those accessible through a standard API, uh, which can be pulled into Power BI or you know any other um, BI tool that you want. And at the moment we have customers who are uh, pulling that data into that, that kind of central tool along with data from other systems and they're creating that view which gives them the big picture 
Um, and yeah, that's really exciting because you're starting to get exactly that. You know, this happened, that's the outcome of it. Um, and that's where we're at right now. Okay. The, the other element of this that's happening currently is we're starting to get into, um, I'm trying, trying not to get too technical, but. <laughs> okay, I'll demystify it. That's the point of the show. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're big fans of XAPI and using yeah. XAPI for activity logging. Um, we are in, uh, we're actually testing at the moment uh, an integration with LinkedIn Learning and LinkedIn Learning are an XAPI provider. So we can receive from them that people have progressed through a course and that they've um, completed a course, which sounds very, very straightforward. Um, the benefit of that though is because we do everything in the same way, we, we use XAPI for our stuff and other people use it. So we can therefore give it kind of a parity of data. So we can receive something that's happening outside of our system and even if someone's never logged in to our platform, we can tell you that they've completed something on LinkedIn Learning. Okay. That's right. Um, so, and we can also display, you know, progress. So we can say, um, you know, they've got 50% of the way through and then they've dropped off. Just the same as we can do with one of our videos. We can show you the same thing okay. about that. And um, that's really powerful. And it's something that's going to be, we're hoping to see that being used more and more as we get more XAPI providers coming online, especially, but the ability to have data sources outside the system that's just there. You can see how popular it is. You can see how well people are progressing through it. Uh, and that all it pulls into your data on the, um, you know, your, your, your big picture stuff of how many people are progressing and that, and that kind of thing. Okay. Um, and then the final thing really is, again, pulling it back to objectives, where, where we're most excited about objectives and um, the aspiration stuff is, it gives you, the, the ideal that you want to get to in terms of pulling data into a system is that you, you can have it contextual. You've got the big high-level ones of, I want to know what my retention is, but that doesn't really tell you what impact a particular thing had on, on, on your objectives. So on the opposite side, though, the content is too granular. So if you had, you know, you might have thousands of bits of content. So if you're on every single bit of content, you're there saying, the, the goal of this content was to decrease customer complaints, whatever it might be. That would be an awful lot of setup. The objectives uh, give you a nice way to handle that because as a, an objective that you're suggesting people pick up, having the ability to link that to a particular um, piece of data and say, well, actually, if people have completed this, we're hoping that we see an improvement in that. And we can then compare that and say, well, you know, this is, this is the result that we saw from the people that did complete that objective versus the people that didn't. And you've got the ability then to kind of bring that all together in something that makes sense through a user interface and it's not over complicated or impossible to manage. So that's very much where we're going. Um, and we want to bring this to be the hub of what, you know, your measurable outcomes for your system right there on the platform. Okay. Well, and, and what's funny about this is that these conversations, right, can feel a little bit overwhelming for folks. I think sometimes, cause right, you start talking about data architecture and data analysis and you know, well, how are these pieces of it? And it's like, what, right? That's not territory we've been in. But that to me is one of the things that these platforms are starting to do um, that I think is it's, it's making it easier to understand it, right? And to get these insights and say, okay, what what is the actual story out of it? Um, it's It was definitely a, a huge conversation two days ago that we had about this because it opens a little bit of Pandora's box um, in terms of it. But I think it's an important one as we think about how do we actually connect what we're doing to the other things. Because I think going back to some of the discussions we've had earlier about you know, what are some of the changes we need to make in our space, one has been we've operated in our own silo, right? We've operated in the silo of learning and development that, you know, well, we have this information, we know this, and, but we're not necessarily connecting it to all these other pieces. And that's that's left us in a position where I think businesses are starting to understand we hold a key data point, but we have to get better at saying, now, how do we take our data point and connect it in to the rest of the organization to help tell a more holistic story. So interesting. So let me go back to this then. We've only got like six minutes left, but so we'll see how far we go down this path. Um, but what I was saying before, before we answered Susan's question was, this can all sound great, right? It can sound like, love it, would love to do this, can't wait. Saying and doing are two different things. And so what are either some of the challenges that sometimes people run into that, that hold them up, that people who may be wanting to embark on this journey could get started on or say, hey, let's make sure we do this, 
Or what are some of the easiest steps people can take to say, hey, look, you don't have to jump from point A to point Z, but point A to point B could look like this. And it's a natural stepping point to get you forward. Because really using the alphabet analogy, everybody's somewhere in a different space in the alphabet. And, and that's okay. It's just a matter of making sure you're progressing closer to Z, not going backwards. Yeah, I think um, it's a question I get asked a lot. Um, I think there's a, there's an element of, like you say, it takes time, there's barriers and blah, blah. But I think the whole pandemic has actually shown that people can move faster than they want. People can change things quickly. Like I know that amongst our clients, we have people go from A to Z in sort of four-week windows and things like that. I think um, there is a little a little bit of element of um, working with some of our clients that, things are just naturally slow and that's just the way things are done and there's lots of approval and blah, blah. And I think the pandemic has shown that there can be a lot of rapid change, which is which is great. Um, I'd say the biggest, one of the biggest mistakes I see happen is um, from clients is bringing in technology and thinking that that is going to solve everything. So just we're going to plug in this new platform and that's just going to do everything. And obviously that is absolutely part of it, but it's not going to do everything for you. And I think my best piece of advice for someone who wanted to do that first step um, towards this, you know, beautiful, magical world is... The utopia of L&D. Utopia, as I was thinking of, yeah. Is um, actually is to start with content, to start with a content strategy, which you don't actually need technology for, necessarily. So actually, I would say to start by trying to create a content map of everything you've got going on in the business. Um, And that's a case of, like, looking at you know, looking at your face-to-face courses and looking at resources for that, looking at your relearning, that's something, looking at curating content and trying to essentially imagine that you're creating like an internal Google at your at your organization and thinking, well, what questions do people want answered and what content do I therefore need? Because um, that exercise can be super valuable, one, from just pulling things together and maybe reshaping things, but also during the exercise, you have a great opportunity to go and talk to people in the business so even just even just having a chat with someone and saying oh when you're a new starter like what are the questions that you had what do you know now that you wish that you knew then and things like that and you you sort of end up with just this massive bank of just questions and content and that is the thing that slows down a lot of people but if you can do the exercise first then when you get the tech it's so much easier just to put it into the technology um rather than starting, go through your whole long process of curing something and then go, oh, now we're going to think about content. Now we're starting at square one and figuring yeah. out what our content strategy is on this. Yeah. So with that, I'm, so I am curious your take on this because to me, this is one of those, I feel like it's one of those exercises that probably every L&D leader has had on their list of to-dos. It just keeps kind of getting pushed to the bottom where you're like, we really should know this. <laughs> It's like an ugly, ugly mess. And I just would rather not go there. And it's one of those things that to me, it's like, well, you've got to do it, right? You're going to have to do it at some point. Um, is is your recommendation to do, you know, as part of this content strategy to do some cleanup work as well as you map it? Or will that kind of naturally work itself out? Because in some cases, I've actually seen, depending on your strategy, you can kind of like weed out some of the garbage along the way other times it's like well you kind of need to weed out the garbage first yeah i think i i tend to have like a have find create approach okay. so like i always compare it to like um clearing out your wardrobe imagine you know having a spring clean and i like clear out my wardrobe i'll get like everything out of my wardrobe and put it on the floor and that's just looking at okay what do we have what have we actually got at the moment and then you start organizing into piles of stuff i'm going to keep and stuff i'm going to give away and stuff that needs mending and stuff that i don't like anymore and then then you go through the process of for each item you you, know, you try and address and think, does it suit me anymore? Does it fit me still? You know, and that's kind of what you need to do with each piece of content. Um, and then the find area is what can you find online? And then create is then like, okay, what stuff do we either need to create from scratch or what stuff do we need to create because we need to sort of translate it because it's not, like you said, not that not that good anymore or at least changing. Um, that's the three steps that I would suggest to go through. But I think my main advice would be pick a topic like induction. Induction's a great one to start with. I know that when I was uh, in L&D, uh, I came on board as a new starter. I did a two-day face-to-face induction. I hated it and immediately said, right, I'm changing this. And within three weeks, it was all online. It was all bite-sized. 
And actually, it's really quick because I just picked a little, you know, subset. So I'd say to start with something like that. There, I like the analogy so that we can we can close on that one, right? Because it's like, so for everybody, now's the time. Go clean out your wardrobe, right? And just lay it out and start doing that so that you can start to figure out. Because again, no matter where you're going, it's an important exercise. And no, it's not. Nobody says, you know what I can't wait to do? Clean out my wardrobe. It, it's same is true with this, right? It, it's not going to be an exciting exercise, but it's an important one. And, and I think to your point, and, and actually, uh, you know, I think, I think Joe made a good point, right? It's ground zero, start at ground zero. What is the strategy? Assess it. And then you can start to carry it forward. So this has been a fantastic discussion. Thank you so much, Danielle, for joining us on your maternity leave and Mark for being here. Best of luck, Danielle, as you, as you get ready for the, the new edition. Um, and, uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. Thanks for watching and all the engagement and, uh, we will be back next week. So have a great weekend, everyone.